This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two amazing human beings, Kate Scotchless. Hello. And Tia Vasiliu. Hello. Thank you both for joining me this week. It's going to be a great week. We've got a fun little book to talk about. But before we get into all of that, let me ask you the question I ask every single week. How have you been? And how have comic books been, Tia? Well, this has been a terrible week, but comics have been okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, yes. Listen, we have the yes. best comics. We have all the biggest comics. They're the best <laughs> comics in the world. I think anyone anyone you would ask would agree. So, yeah. <laughs> so how have comic books been for you then? Pretty good. I had a, another Mary Sue review come out this week for Curse Words by oh, yeah. Charles Soule and Ryan Brown, which you should check out both my review and more importantly the actual book it's amazing i loved it and um it's about a wizard named wizard who comes to earth uh with instructions from an evil overlord to destroy it with magic and so while he's waiting for his destructive magical potion to cure or mature or whatever it's doing he like Mm -hmm hangs around in New York and he decides that like it's actually kind of nice here San- and he would prefer <laughs> not to destroy it so instead yeah. he like turns into some kind of like New York hipster with with like <laughs> yes. with the haircut you know and the beard oh, yeah. and he opens a shop to sell magic to to people and so uh, he becomes kind of a an entrepreneur but then like the evil overlord gets pissed that he didn't follow instructions and sends some minions to like pick a fight and he also is like kind of protecting people and he's kind of doing like some good deeds too in the world but but it's strongly implied that he's a bad guy and i'm like he doesn't seem like a bad guy to me and if you do good things for like selfish reasons like does that really invalidate the good things that you do i don't know I'm interested Mm. to see where this goes. And his best friend is a talking koala named Margaret. Hashtag Team Margaret. (laughs) Oh my God, this sounds incredible. And I need it. It's so good. I also read this book this week and it was it was wonderful. It's super funny. The artwork is really um, energetic and I loved it. Yeah, Ryan Brown's art is the best. I just I just want to throw that in there. I, I'll probably I'll talk I'll talk about it when it's my turn. It's pretty great. <laughs> okay, next one. Everybody, are you ready for this? I read Batman. Oh my God, Xander! Well, insert no that like stadium siren sound. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Are you ready for this? I read Batman. I actually, I read two Batman. Whoa. Batmans. What is Bat- <laughs> oh, the, is it? Is Batman plural like deer? Yeah. Like you, multiple Batman? I don't know. I read Batman 14 and 15, which um, have the beautiful Stephanie Hans covers with Catwoman. Oh, yes. These are so good and sweet and romantic and sexy. And if why can't all Batman be like this? <laughs> you know, yes, that's that's exactly what I was thinking as I was reading it. <laughs> um, this is Mitch Gerard and Tom King, right? Yes. Why didn't I write this down? Yes. The, um, yeah. 
And so I'm not really sure. I know there's like 10 Batmans happening right now. So I'm not mm-hmm. really sure where this fits in with the other Batmen. I think that's the proper use of Batman. I believe the term is bat people. <laughs> bat people, yes. That's actually more accurate, I think. But like, okay, so basically in this, uh, Catwoman has to go to jail forever. And so Batman's supposed to bring her in, but she wants one last night of bat loving before <laughs> she goes to jail. <laughs> so sweet, sweet bat loving. They make sweet. That's exactly yeah. what it is. They, and so... The best part is that she like just stole a bunch of diamonds and so she like flings them all on the ground and they like take each other's clothes off and they like make love on a bed of diamonds. Yes. Which I don't understand how they're not all cut up the next morning, but whatever. <laughs> this <laughs> is so I mean, uncomfortable. If you were if you were Batman and Catwoman, would you even notice? I mean They call each on. other bat and cat. Yes. Which I think that, you know, the next time you're having a romantic moment with your lover, you should you should try that. Just see <laughs> see if it enhances the mood. I don't know. This is the I Read Comic Books podcast, <laughs> encouraging role playing in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, Kel's surprise, the next morning, she's like, that was fun. See ya. And... <laughs> You know, he was supposed to bring her to prison, so that's a problem. It's almost mm-hmm. as though maybe she was faking. T- I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then it turns out there's like other stuff going on, and Batman goes like back to being the the angsty Batman that I always think of when I think of Batman. Mm-hmm. And in closing, what what the hell? It, the, the last the last page of issue fifteen, I didn't understand. I haven't read this issue yet, so Neither I don't. I can't I. really comment on it. But I do think you should listen to "Because the Night" by Patty Smith when you get to that page. Okay. Thank okay. you. This, this is. This has been. Um, I have this. I have Mitch Gerard's stamp of approval on this. So okay. definitely do it. <laughs> Got it. I'll write that. That's going in the show notes. <laughs> yes. Such such a change from their uh, team up on Bar- ba- Sheriff from Babylon, which had zero bat loving. Too bad. Zero. Yeah. So, um, I'll talk a little about Black Widow when we get to Kate, because she, I see in the show notes, has some questions about my baby. (laughs) So, um, what I really want to talk about this week is something really different, which is a graphic novel called Heartbeat by um, a Spanish artist. It's written and um, drawn by her, Maria, either love it or yev it. I'm not really sure there's like a double L at the beginning of her name and she's Spanish and I don't have a really great understanding of Spanish, Spanish pronunciation. In any case, this book is available in Spanish, Italian and French. Okay. I read, I read the French version. My French is very poor. But I am working on a, a translation to English. And when I finish, I'll put that up on um, a Google Doc and we can share that maybe on the I Read Comic Books um, Twitter or something like that. So if you're interested yeah, sure. in checking this out and you don't read Italian, French, or Spanish, there will be a very clumsy, inelegant English translation for you. <laughs> However, I maintain that the art is really so good and so beautiful that you'll get a lot out of this book without even being able to read it and it like the words it's about this girl who um you know she's rich and she goes to a really fancy 
private school, but she doesn't have a lot of friends. She's kind of bullied. Her parents kind of neglect her. And then she meets this guy who I actually thought was a vampire, but it turns out he's just crazy. <laughs> it turns out I just don't speak you know. French very well. <laughs> yeah. it's a, that's a day-to-day actually, problem first I that thought he said has. he was a toaster. And then... <laughs> <laughs> no, because like, spoiler alert, he does drink blood. Oh yeah, so sure, like, like you, do. Oh, that's, you know, that's more reasonable then. It, my mistake, okay, but like, <laughs> anyway, and so she, and, and so she, it kind of increasingly changes her worldview and her um, kind of perception of herself and things. That it's really, really beautiful. The artwork is just exquisite. It's so lovely. I really encourage you to check it out. I I know you can order it from like Amazon fr. That's the best I got for you anyway. Okay. I was just going through the, the pages on the preview that you had linked to, or the Amazon page that you linked to, and it's that's some gorgeous looking art. It's really sure. good. And the art is so well done. Honestly, even if you don't speak any of those languages, you still get a lot out of it. And I'll keep plugging away at my translation. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, I, well, I very much look forward to that. Uh, but Kate, what have you been reading? What have you been up to? How is life? How are things? Mostly how are comic books. Life and things are scary. (laughs) Comic books are good. I also just pulled up the preview art for Heartbeat, and yeah, that looks great. Um, I might actually check it. Like, I was kind of skeptical when you were saying you could get a lot out of it without words. I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, kind of can. So I this week I read, I caught up on Black Widow. I read 8 through Mm -hmm. 10, and I... I either need to go back and reread previous Black Widows or I need to go back and reread every Marvel book because <laughs> Marvel's just doing that thing where they screw you into reading other books because otherwise your book doesn't make sense. And I'm not sure. really sure which one is which. So maybe Tia can enlighten me. So first of all, when did Nick Fury get jacked up and go live on the moon? Like now he's this weird chained sp- uh, moon wizard. When <laughs> yeah. did that yeah. happen? Was that in Black Widow? Am I just blocking that out of my memory? I Is feel that like that's a fallout from original sin. Yeah, yeah. That's my huh. guess. Because then, like Bucky goes to be the man on the wall, and yeah, yeah. And <laughs> he goes and does his crazy acid trip through space. It's beautiful. Illustrated Michael. by Marco it's, Marco Rudy. It's beautiful. Yes, it absolutely <laughs> is. I just and he lives what, under the sea yeah. with his pet space aardvark and his space girlfriend. Yes. If you haven't read the, Bucky Bucky Barnes the Winter Soldier, you should definitely go out and find a copy of that. I haven't. Okay. But I yes, will. no, that's Fallout from Original Sin. Okay, so it's not something I'm just forgetting. Okay, and then the other thing is what's going on with her and Bucky? Did I completely miss that in previous issues or Ooh. was that like something I was supposed to know already? Well, I'm so lost. Well, <laughs> like, she is going to pull out a podium and just here's a PowerPoint presentation yeah, I have prepared I, I, just for this for, instance. First, she gets in her cosplay, so it's more realistic. It's true. Yes, I mean not yes. just for this instance. I just keep this PowerPoint ready at all times right. for any instance. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Listen, kids. <laughs> um, so just like in terms of them having a past romance. Well, is that was that in the book or is that another like this was in previous Marvel books and I oh yeah, it. this is a, this goes this goes back. Um, I feel like the it goes back even further than this, but the a really good place to start with it if you don't want to like go back way way back is the Brubaker Winter Soldier run. Okay. Yeah, 
Yeah, I got to champion that book. <laughs> yeah, that book's amazing. Yeah. And oh God, it's so good. Like my favorite panel is, I, I won't put it into too much context to avoid spoilers, but basically like Natasha's dressed as a ballerina and, and she's kicking the shit out of Bucky. And he's like, oh wow, I never realized how much she holds back when we spar. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also in the um, Phil Noto, Nathan Edmondson run, there are also callbacks to that. Um he, I remember the yeah. callbacks like that. I I couldn't recall if this was something that was like part of the immediate storyline, like in this particular Black Widow run, or if this oh, was okay. an- another just vague hearkening back. But it seemed like because it was so much, so much of the plot was tied up in it that I'm like, this feels like they can't just be hearkening back. That this is something that has to have been from this run. But maybe they were just like hardcore banking on the fact that you'd already know that. So. I think so. My question is, because I'm not caught up on Thunderbolt, which is a place where Bucky is hanging out. Also, um, I'm wondering what's like if there if anything concurrent like is happening over there. Hmm. With the, I don't Bucky is all over the place. I feel like if it was concurrent in another line like that and not. Well, I don't know. It is Marvel. Like, like DC would give us really aggressive editors notes if that was the case. I don't know about right. Marvel. Marvel doesn't always do that. See, Mike, my, my question about this Bucky involvement is that, you know, he's been saying, well, I've been watching out for you this entire time. I wonder if you went back and reread the first seven issues, maybe you'd see like some weirdness. Oh, and interesting. And it's supposed to be explained that it was Bucky the entire time. That's maybe. my only other thought. And I haven't done this, but when Bucky showed up and said that, that was my first thought. What a precious baby. Can I just, yeah. <laughs> can we just appreciate what a precious baby? Yeah. <laughs> he's your favorite. He's your favorite baby. Anyways, Kate, what else did you... Or were there more questions or thoughts on no, this? Really I, we could dwell up. on this I series forever. Show. Like, usually yeah. Marvel, I don't have these problems because they have that really, really convenient uh, plot synopsis at the front. So you're not like, I don't remember what I read last month and have to look back. Um, but this was like each one. I was like, maybe it'll see like I'll it'll jog my memory with this issue. And so all three issues, I was like, no, maybe I just need to go back and reread everything. Okay, so... Sounds like I don't just need to reread the series. I need to reread everything. Just read Winter Soldier. I think that will help you a lot. Like, if you just read the Captain America Winter Soldier run, I think that'll put a lot of puzzle pieces in place for you. Okay. Sounds good. That'll be... I'm sure the library has that. Also feels. Yes. Also the feels, yeah. Well, you know how I feel about the feels. Um, (laughs) Okay, so Faith number 7 came out... um, it came out, I think, two weeks ago. I don't know. I hadn't picked up comics for, like, a week. And then this past week was, like, the every book ever came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went to the shop, my wallet just cried. But I have tons of comics now, so that's cool. Faith number seven, uh, she continues turning down better costumes than what she has, which is a little disappointing. Um she keeps seeing things in mirrors and nightmares, like this creepy vision kind of thing. That's all that really happens. That and like a hundred pop culture nerd references and a lot of like I think four different times they meant she they have the character Faith mention um that she's in the Renegades now and doing Renegades stuff. And by the way, did you know we're selling a new Renegades run? We're in issue three. You should get Renegades. Okay, thanks guys. Oh, no. And I'm just like I don't know. It's getting more like part of what worked for Faith for me as a non Valiant Raider before was that it was so not referential to the rest of like it wasn't continuity. Well, I mean it's continued, but it wasn't like 
so tied in that you couldn't just read faith. Right. Um, and whenever they did have stuff that was like valiant verse, which they do, I mean, there's definitely older stuff in there, but then they'd have like an editor's note explaining it so that you didn't have to go back and read everything. But now I think it's big enough that they're like, we can use this to hook people into more valiant books. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm just not going to invest the time or money in that. I'm sorry. And right. it's getting more and more like maybe it's not even getting more pop culture nerd stuff. It's just getting where there's nothing other than that. And so I think I'm going to jump off after this arc. It also doesn't help that I have a bunch of other books that I've just picked up, started reading. And so I'm definitely at that point where I need to like figure out what all I'm going to keep and what's going to go. So I think if I didn't have other stuff, I'd keep reading this. It's just not at the top. Gotcha. Um, Green Valley number four came out. Sup. Or I read, when did that, did that come out this past week, Mike? I think that came out two weeks ago. Okay, that might be another one that was sitting there in my box. Sorry, guys, I'm just not up to date on anything. That's okay. I was hoping for more of the villain we met in the issue number three, but I'm easily appeased by dinosaurs, so I was pretty happy with this issue, because knights versus raptors. Yeah. But otherwise, that's really, really what cool it came niche. down to. Yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. I wanted more, but at the same time, we did get we did get knights versus raptors, yeah, and that's pretty exactly. cool. Exactly. <laughs> like, I so I went right from complaining about not much substance to being like, you know what, this had no substance, but it was the kind of reference I liked. So, I don't know. How mm-hmm. about you, Mike? Oh, I I've been reading a bunch. I sat down the last couple days and just powered through a ton of stuff. And by powered through, I mean it just like it's been sitting and building. So I had realized I had to go and do it and read it. Yeah. So I read I read Curse Words number one because I was really excited about that book. And, uh, you know, T has kind of nailed the nail on the head. I don't know. Hit the <laughs> nail on the head. That's the phrase. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a fun little book. It's going to be a wild ride of just goofiness. And I'm ready for that. I love Ryan Brown's art to death. Like, ever ever since I saw his work on God Hates Astronauts, which is his creator-owned book that he did, I've been, like, really interested in trying anything else that he wants to do. And his art has only gotten better and more precise and intricate and ridiculous. So I'm 100% on board for this book for the foreseeable future because, you know, there's also Charles Soule, and he's he's a pretty okay guy, I guess. Yeah, he's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kidding. He's fantastic. Um, I also read Slam number three, which I really shouldn't have read after having just read Vision, because I read that this week, because Kate and I recorded a mini-sode, so look forward to that in the future, but <laughs> I read Slam, and I was kind of just like, oh, why can't everyone just be happy and be friends, because number three <laughs> ends on kind of a sad note. Uh, no, so don't, that, that, don't is tell this me the one about the roller I, derby? I, yeah. Yes, it's all about roller okay. derby, and I was geeked about it last week, and it was Oh, yeah, your descent into series. blood sports. I love yes. this. I loved the. I I'm not caught up. I haven't read this issue yet. It, it's sad. Well, it's I don't know. It depends on how you feel about how friendships are hard and stuff. Aww. And it's it's a whole thing. Because this was so, one of my happy books. Yeah, and it and it really is. It really is. It's just like you know sometimes friends argue and that sucks and when you're reading a book and you're just like oh please just be friends because roller derby is supposed to be the challenge not not friendship tier um so that it's it's good i mean it's still great it's it's the middle of an arc i think things are going to get wrapped up is my guess because that's just how comic books and stories work but it was it was a very um it was very moving issue to say the least uh i also read ghost rider number two I just want to say I read it because everyone should be reading this book because the team is fantastic and it's ridiculous and all new Wolverine and the totally awesome Hulk are in this book for some reason. It's uh, it's a fun little series. Uh, and then I also read 
motor crush number one this because xander has been telling me for months and weeks that i need to read this book and i know that tia is also championing this book so i was like okay i'll try it and it's a it's a fun book i don't know if i will keep reading it but it's a fun book i might wait for the trade because uh i don't really know what's going on outside of there's just racing for drugs well, yeah. But what does that mean? I mean, aren't you out there shooting up your cars? Or no, you're in New York. You don't have cars. What am I talking yeah. about? <laughs> well, well the we second didn't even issue get to is see out. the drugs with the motorcycle. I don't even know how these drugs work. And everyone was like, "Oh, the drugs are cool." And I was like, "Drugs are not cool." <laughs> but uh, we'll see. I, I might try oh it. God. I might wait for the trade. You're so funny. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> drugs are bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Let me tighten my tie. Um, so, but the other book that I read, I actually read it this afternoon, was Space Battle Lunchtime Volume 1 by Natalie Reese. <laughs> this book is like, it was, it's so goofy. It's like a manga meets the Muppets, but it's more Muppets than manga. And somehow it's like the Great British Bake Off, but not really. And there's a weird competition and everyone's in space. And our main character is a human from Earth. And she just was like, oh, I'll go to space. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Like, there's no question of like, this is weird. This is strange. There's all these aliens. It's kind of just like the Muppet Show in space. And I'm 100% on board for that. It's such a happy, fun book. It's totally a brush of fresh air in comparison to like what we read this week. Harrow County and all of the other books like Slam and Motor Crush and all these other things. So it was a very, very fun book. If you're not reading this, this you're doing yourself a disservice. Is this a manga? It's a comic book from Oni Press. And it's a it's one person doing the entire thing. Natalie Ross, she's doing or Reese, excuse me, she's doing the entire book by herself, and it's it's a it's a whole lot of fun. I was giggling the entire time just because of how wild and like excited are the main character is she just wants to like make cupcakes and <laughs> she's on a baking slash cooking show it is a really fun series it, the first volumes out it contains the first four issues with a bunch of extra back matter and mini series about all the backgrounds of all the various characters that you meet i got i got hooked on this book i'm definitely going to keep reading so you know fun stuff but let's talk about other books. Let's talk about books that are coming out this week. Comic books are released on January 25th, 2017. What are you both excited for, Kate? I'm looking forward to the Black Monday Murders uh, first trade paperback. This mm-hmm. is a series that I was interested in but didn't put like start grabbing initially because I had too many other things on my plate. Um, and, you know, budgeting is a real problem. Totally. And then by the time everyone was freaking out about how good it was, and I was like, oh, I want to read it. Then I was like, well, I might as well trade weight it. And people were saying, oh, you should trade weight it because it's going to be better as a trade. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, it's I got John this. Hickman. So I'm yeah. thinking to myself, it'll be, you know, like my other image first trades where it's like 20 bucks. Turns out it's 20 bucks, which I was startled by until you guys explained before the show that it's actually a giant, completely huge, which is why. So, I mean, that's fair. It's no savings from buying the single issues, which I I guess I'm pretty used to with Image. They spoil us by giving us savings by buying trades. I I know that's not the norm for some of the other publishers, but... um, I think that the way Image manages that a lot of the time is that they take out some of the extras that you get in the single issues. Yeah, totally. And this book doesn't do that partly because they're not extras they're actually like really crucial to the story 
um, and they're kind of integrated into it and rather than just being like back matter or extras. And so I totally understand that it's like, you know, frustrating to have books be more expensive than what you like expect. But this is something just totally different from your right. regular. And, and so I, I, I feel like I understand why they are putting it at the price point that they are. And I think that, um, you know, having read it, I would, I would endorse the decision and say that it's worth it. Um, yeah, you know, I agree. yeah. I, we looked this up before we started the show. And actually, if you look at a lot of the 999 trade paperbacks that image releases, they're typically around 140 to 160 pages for 10 bucks. And for this specific issue, which is only four issues, you are getting 240 pages. So it's, it's quite a bit of difference, and I think that's just a ton of back matter and extra fold-out pages and all this crazy shit that John Hickman's probably doing to give out all the diagrams and weird scripts and, I don't know, like transcripts and stuff that he has it's, I mean, for it's this all, series. It's all, like, really essential to understanding the story. So, yeah. yeah. Um, if you want to get yeah. deeply involved, yeah. Because it's a little bit complicated, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah, a little bit is, is kind of uh, an understatement. It's Hickman complicated. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, well, sounds up my alley, so I'm looking forward to it. How about you guys? Tia, what are you excited for this week? I'm excited for Animosity, The Rise. That is such a, like, twisted and amazing series, the main series. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I will read any and all associated content. It, is this, like, a one-shot this week? Or yep. is it... Uh, okay. I wasn't sure if this was the trade or something like that. No, no. Um, yeah, so this is the series by... Uh, Marguerite Bennett at Aftershock and Mm -hmm. it's about like all of the animals uh, collectively wake up and fight back against all of the injustices that they've suffered at the hands of human beings and it's very violent and it's very dark and very funny it it is (laughs) there's a there's a dog and a little girl and they have like a quest in a way and then there's I it's yeah <laughs> um there's a lot of, of violence and swearing and stuff but it also has a heart and has a sense of humor which uh, you know is definitely what you'd expect from Marguerite Bennett it's a really neat concept and so yeah I'll read anything that is animosity related yep me too yeah I'm I'm pretty much on board I didn't actually know this was coming out this week so I will have to pick that up as well because I've been totally digging this series she she brings up a lot of really questionable things in this book and sorry i shouldn't say questionable but like very topical things in this like there's a lot of questions being asked that i've never considered about how you know animals are treated and all this stuff and i think that there's there's a lot to be said about that but we i don't necessarily need to go in in depth on that right now but i think this book has been um the the publication date's been changed a little a few times so we'll see if it holds up uh, or if the Tia curse strikes again. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. Fingers crossed. Uh, well, for me this week, I am, I don't know if I'm excited so much as I'm <laughs> kind of dreading um, this comic. This is IVX number three. You did this to yourself. I, I did do this to myself. <laughs> I did buy this book. I did subscribe to this series. Um, I don't know what I'm, what, what is the point still? two three issues in because there was a zero issue i don't really know 
what the end goal of this book is. And I've been reading the tie-ins. I've been reading almost everything associated with this. I haven't read like the Inhuman side of the story and those those books because I'm just I refuse to buy that many Marvel books. But I am reading Extraordinary X Men number eighteen that comes out this week. And I'm really interested to see how this all ties in because last I heard, the Extraordinary X-Men were in Los Angeles or California or something fighting demon monsters. But, oh, no, no, we're going to pause that. (laughs) Not fight demon monsters anymore. We're going to help out with the Inhumans and the X-Men. I know that these characters from Extraordinary X-Men have shown up in IVX already, so I know that this doesn't take place, like, in the same parallel time. But (sighs) what's even happening if if there's somebody out there that is digging IVX, please reach out to me, and we that I'd like to have a discussion person. with you, because I I don't know what the like really I cannot figure out what the end goal is going to be. Maybe that's the point. Isn't you know, the end read, goal to get you to buy in humans? Isn't that well, Marvel's I, ultimate I'm end about game like, here? Well, yes, the whole point <laughs> of comic books is to get people to buy comic books, but. I really want to know what the story goal is. Like, what what could this possibly end in? And I know that it's kind of a shitty thing to ask because when we read these event books, sometimes we we get roped into them, like Civil War Two or Secret Wars or anything, and you you can't really ask the question, well, what's the point? But I think that in some cases, like Civil War Two, you knew what the point was. In yeah. Secret Wars, you knew what the point was. I think the best in kind IVX, of books, you do know what the point is. If yeah, well, there's this, no point this feels, getting across, then... Yeah, there, this feels just like Avengers versus X-Men, where it kind of felt out of the blue that it was even happening. I didn't feel, as an X-Men reader and Avengers reader at the time, that the that there was a bubbling fight between the two teams. So I'm not reading Inhumans, so I don't know if it's directly in, like affecting them. I feel like the buildup that they did in Death of X definitely lent to them saying, okay, we need to have this fight. Because, like, at the end of Death of Death of X-Men, or Death of X, when Cyclops is dead, sorry, spoilers, um, which we already knew, but uh, yeah. the, the actions that the X-Men took to try to f- basically push back against the Inhumans was saying, we're going to destroy your way of life by getting rid of this Terrigen Mist Cloud. And for those of you who are not interested in reading any of this stuff, I'm really sorry. I'm kind of just rambling here. But the fight seems justified, but I don't know what having an entire, like, story event is. I could see this being, like, a de- a dark rain kind of thing where there's just a cloud of, like, a banner on each of the comics that say, you know, Inhumans versus X-Men or the Terrigen Mist War or something, whatever you want to call it. But to, like, tie all the stories together, but you don't have to read them all concurrently. But instead, they put out an event book, and then all of the subsequent books that are related to this series are also being roped in. And I don't really understand it, so I'm just... That's what I'm not excited about this week, <laughs> mostly. So, I, I don't know. That's it's, it's a whole mess, and I'm still reading it, because as I've said before, I'll say it again, I hate myself, and I hate the X-Men, but I keep reading them. I hope you guys love your comics more than I love yeah, my comics. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I read, I read Death of X, and it, I agree, it definitely pointed where I thought, at least, where IVX was going. And because I thought I knew where it was going, I was like, yeah, no. Sorry. I just, I can't. Well, you just didn't want to read about a fight between two superhero groups? I mean, I do, but... I like, so, so I get, yeah, I know like that's the big complaint of a lot of stuff is like, we don't want our heroes fighting heroes, but like, I'll be honest, I like me some hero fighting hero stuff sometimes when it's done well, but I just can't get hyped about the Inhumans, so it's like, I like the X-Men part of it, but it's like if so half the title is stuff I don't care about, then... 
stop trying know. to make fetch happen it's not going to happen marvel yeah that's yeah I that's what i that's what i meant is like their end game is to get to force what they think is their prime in humans demographic x-men readers to read in humans and make them like them and I'm like by having them in the same book, and I'm just like, oh, it's just not going to happen. No, no one yeah, cares. I mean, if I can continue to stand on my soapbox and add another box beneath this soapbox, <laughs> okay. I think. Oh God, you're about to fall over, Mike. <laughs> I, I know. See this? This is the risk I'm willing Just to take. Just rickety soapboxes. I think the core difference, as someone who is an X Men fan, and I've said a million times, I think the core difference between Inhumans and X Men is the quote unquote system of government between the two or like that the two hold to, right? So the X-Men is more of a democracy. It's they, they look to their leader, Professor X, you know, if we're going back to the old school X-Men, they look to their leader, Professor X, to be like the guiding light to say, here's how I think the world should be. You can live your life however you want. I'm not going to tell you how to do it otherwise, but here's the way I think that we can best get on in the world. Right. And the X-Men, they for the most part, they will follow that, but a lot of them don't. And that's fine. They go out and live their lives. And that's what a lot of... I think X-Men has been for a very long time where not everyone lives at the X-Mansion, not everyone really interacts with the X-Men, they're just regular people. And it feels more like a a democracy. Whereas with the Inhumans, from what I've read and everything that I've read over the last, you know, 10 or so years of reading comic books involving the Inhumans, they live under a monarchy. They live under this king and this queen that kind of say, here's how we live our lives. Here are the, here's the cultural norms that you must follow. If you're an Inhuman, you must live with us. Um, with a few rare exceptions, but those people usually act as diplomats more than they do actually as free citizens. And to me, that doesn't, that's not interesting. Like, I understand, like, the appeal of saying, oh, here's a different worldview and here's a different thing. But at the same time, like, I'm not, I can't relate to that. And any of the struggles of these characters feel so forced on me that I just don't want to read them. Yep. So to say, you, if you're the core demographic because you're an X-Men fan, I think that's like, not to, to say that you're wrong, Kate, but I think that Marvel must be wrong in thinking that. Yeah, I, I think agree. that. that that they, if that's what the the idea that they're trying to push, I'm totally against it because I find no interest in a lot of these characters, save Black Bolt and maybe Medusa. But even then, all of the pieces that I've read of them has been so dogmatic and so like they're pushing up against our cultural heritage that we followed for a thousand years. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, can you just do anything else, please? Like, <laughs> I, yeah. I want something interesting. And they and when Infinity when the Infinity thing happened and you know their base of operations blew up and the Terrigen Mist happened. Like, that was really cool because it was like they're shaking things up. But then immediately went back to the norm. They're trying to recover to come back to their old way. And that's maybe that's the interesting part of this story, but I'm not buying into it. And I, it's, it's a real bummer that they're pitting my favorite property against the property that I really don't have a lot of care for. And I don't think a lot of other people have care for. So I, I let yeah. me get down off this soapbox before I fall. No, no, hang on. Just, just, but yeah, like, okay, X-Men's main appeal is that besides like awesome powers and stuff, which is true, but it's a bunch of people fighting for inclusion and rights, right? Which is a little like relatable for a whole lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so like to say like, oh, it's basically the same thing. You have a bunch of people that all have powers in their group. I'm like, well, you're missing what's part of the key part of X-Men here, you know, is that they, because Inhumans are like, we are different. We want to be separate. We're going to follow our own rules. And like you said, oh, congrats, you're Inhuman. Now you've got to bow down to Medusa because. Yeah. yeah. You know, what? they're very isolationist. Mm-hmm. What's what's most interesting to me about this is that Marvel is also taking their Captain America uh, properties in a really tone deaf direction right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that it's unfortunate yeah. yeah yeah i think that there's just maybe some editorial or even um corporate leadership making decisions that are not sensitive or um even care about these things that and at a really practical marketing level people are currently punching real nazis shouldn't we get on this this is what (laughs) captain america's known for come on it's trending sure Oh, geez. Yeah, so uh, long and short, Marvel's kind of fucking up. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> what image, image will save us. Reset the counter. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, I just hardly pay attention anymore to the superheroes. I, I have a lot of image books that I like, <laughs> basically. Yeah. yeah, I'm in the same boat. group read for the goodreads book of the month was harrow county by colin is it colin or cullen 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 bun and tyler crook and i'm gonna try and say tyler cook and i'm gonna say colin and just know that i'm wrong people just hear it and go she's wrong (laughs) because i've definitely been thinking of that in my head and once you think it in your head enough it comes out of your mouth no matter what alternative Um, facts that's right these are alternative (laughs) names that are objectively not true right i feel like in general this got pretty mixed reviews on the group and that seems to be looking at uh, and we were talking about this a little bit in the break that in general is how the critics have received it too it's 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 not bad it's not great it's it's just a book it keeps going it's not like bad enough to get canceled um, yeah. Did Volume 4 just come out, or is it coming out next week? Uh, I think Volume 4 is coming out pretty soon. Okay. But before we get into full discussion, could you give us like a synopsis of what this book is about? Yeah, so, okay. Harrow County is... Is this Image? This is Dark Horse. Dark Horse, okay. Uh, Nick White would be so disappointed with me. I do that all the time. I'm like, this feels like an Image book. And he's like, but it's not. Get it right. Um <laughs> So it feels like an image book. It's a dark horse book. It's um, about a small town in America, and they once upon a time had a witch that was helping them out, but at what cost? And they turned against her and hung her, and she said that creepy thing that witches like to do when you hang them, where it's like, I'll be back, wah-ha-ha-ha-ha and sans laughter though because i'm pretty sure she was also being burned she yeah alive. she definitely was being burned and hung at and the same had time or previously something, also and been shot and stabbed yeah yeah she listen her health wasn't in good condition they were covering all their bases raspy right. style yeah yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> great reference to you great reference <laughs> yeah um so she dies 18 years later we our, have our main character, Emmy, who we slowly figure out is, may or may not be, I guess we don't know, is the um, incarnation, reincarnation of this witch in the body. Forgot to say in our introduction of this, this is full spoilers ahead, people. Yeah, we are going to talk gonna, about the ending and all that stuff. Um, I was going to jump everyone. in with that. Yeah. yeah I, sorry, I should have said that right away. Um, so if you haven't read this, and you want to read it, which maybe you don't, maybe you do. Like I said, mixed reviews, so do that first. So 
yeah, we do eventually establish that she is the witch reborn. Um, but she didn't know this for some... Un- did, did they explain it? I feel like they didn't really explain why she didn't know this until she was 18. No one ever told well, her about the witch. Yeah, I, I, and as the reader, I had no idea that that's what was going to happen. It felt really kind of out of place until the last issue of the volume when they went in and tried to do some backstory about it. There was some hints, like they show her with the cuts and then the cuts aren't there and so she's clearly self-healing and her healing the calf and this okay, and that. Okay, wait, but because I feel like they were pretty clear about like dropping those breadcrumbs. Yeah, and like, like okay, those commanding the ghosts it. or well, paints as we call them. Yeah, so she's like... She's she's cool with the ghosts. She has the dreams. She um right. can she can Got heal herself and others because she heals that sick calf, and that's the thing that the witch was doing initially. And all of the cattle and livestock are like dying of like weird, gross boils, which was hap- also happening when the witch was around. So I feel like they're not being that subtle. Well, I guess let me let me rephrase what I was I guess I was getting at was that I didn't think that she was the reincarnation or like she was the reborn witch. I just thought she was also a witch. And it just so happened that like the reason maybe she was a witch is because she was born near this tree or something. But I guess Oh right. Oh yeah, we so should when they, they, we should say that the tree where the witch was hung is on Emmy's farm. Right. It's like out her bedroom window or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess if if we walk through the the from, you know, this story pretty quickly, the, you know, the 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 general story is we meet we meet Emmy after hearing this horrible past of this witch being burned. Um she starts seeing weird things. Her dad's like, "Hey," or she says, "Hey, dad, it's going to be my 18th birthday tomorrow." And he's like, "Oh, I haven't forgotten," which turns out to be a very foreboding like terrible thing because he realizes that as soon as she turns 18, she has to die or he he's going to kill her is ultimately what happens. And so we meet this 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 traveling merchant and we meet some of the other townsfolk kind of and there's this thing with the calf where she heals this dying calf and I, I don't know, maybe like maybe now of course here thinking about it, I'm like, oh it's all there in your face to begin with. But the reveal at the end I think was more powerful because it was like it's not just that you're a witch, but it's that you're the reincarnation of this witch with right. these other things. I just didn't put the connect the dots, I guess. I mean then there are ghosts in the forest that she tries to run away. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I I did think that in a, in terms of of her relationship with the ghosts, um, especially, and then also the backstory that they give about the original witch's relationship to certain townspeople, I felt like this um, story arc could have used maybe like another issue to make that make sense because it just sort of came out of nowhere and was like by the way this is the thing and you're like i guess yeah, yeah. The, especially the bit where it's like actually she created the townspeople no i know that came I was out of like, nowhere Wait, and then they so, all killed her i so my my theory wasn't that it needed another issue it's that the issues that they already had could have had some tighter storytelling because uh, there were also other parts that were a little i don't know so my big i like the art better than the writing in this book which same in the in the group seems to be the consensus too um that in general the writing it, 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 it there's parts where the dialogue gets really stinted or awkward and and he's trying so hard to have this like 
I don't know timey talk the, the accent yeah. yeah yeah where they're like with rednecky or something with and it sure just, it was so cringy yeah it gets oh, really so I didn't forced get that. Feeling. I didn't get that at all I didn't feel like the dialogue was forced I just felt like they like a lot of the sequences were missing beats yeah like they needed like one extra sentence to kind of complete the thought and they were missing that every once in a while it didn't feel awkward it just felt like either I was missing something or there was something being like implied that I just didn't get and it almost felt like I needed to do a reread even though I read the volume yeah. in like one go I think that the artwork does all the heavy lifting for in sure. this book. Yeah, there's also times where he goes, um, sorry, when Bun goes pretty heavy on the text boxes, and even then the art's doing this heavy lifting, even when the writing's like, I'll do this, and you're like, no, you really don't, though. You don't. <laughs> so, And then there's yeah. moments that could had so much potential that just get dropped, like the, the creature, the abandoned yes kind of demon creature in the woods i'm like what's the deal with that let me let's talk about that yeah ryan from the group on goodreads said that while colin bunn writes excellent character driven dialogue the overall storyline felt disjointed and crowded with conflict conflicting confusing and oftentimes unexplained plot points and i'm like that is spot on that hit the nail on the head um he also mentioned that the excerpt at the back um, is a more tight, a tighter and more effective story. Did you guys read the section at the back? Yeah. So uh, what I think was really interesting is that in this trade, if you're reading this in single issues, you're probably not going to get this. Or I don't know if it was released independently, but in the collected edition, they did release like six or eight chapters of the mm-hmm. quote unquote nov- novel that or serialized novel that Cullen Bunn was going to write that eventually turned into this comic. And I 100% agree. I think that Bunn is a better prose writer than he is a comics writer because i know that he's written other novels that have done well but i felt like his all of his comic work that i've ever read has kind of been so so um leaning more towards good but it's always been kind of in the middle for me and i thought i I agree with ryan's comment here that the serialized novel did feel a lot tighter and it felt like i was more in the mood of the story and that may have been just because i'd finished the comic but ultimately it did feel strong I I don't know if either of you read that as well. I honestly skipped it because I was like, the writing was not great. I like the art and there's no art in this. It's a lot of words. So (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't, I skipped it too um, until people pointed that out on the group. And then I was like, oh, this makes me curious. And I went and read it and was like, oh, wow, they are totally right. Um, Yeah, it's odd. It's, and maybe that's a thing that happens with not a lot of prose writers that switch to comics. I didn't know before talking with you guys right now that he had written novels i didn't didn't get that so yeah and i I read his other stuff that he's done you know comic wise i've read like his magneto which i actually enjoyed um i felt like he had a really good grasp on magneto as a character just being broken and conflicted but i've also you know read bits of six gun and i know that that book has gone on for a while and people really like it but when i tried to pick up the first volume it took me two or three tries to just get through the first issue because it felt rough and i think that may have been one of his earlier attempts in your dives into comics i may be completely wrong about that but it it definitely felt like he was new to comics and i know that he's i can say that he's gotten better because he's written a bunch of other books i think he's writing uncanny x-men right now and it's it's so hit or miss but like when he's when he's right and he nails it it's fantastic but 
it's it's like a 50-50 split between him nailing it and just kind of missing it and everything being okay. Like, it's just your standard comic book story. Yeah. And I felt like with Harrow County, it was the same way. I felt like there were a couple moments where he nailed things and his, his dialogue or his captions matched the art so well that I was like, yeah, I'm in this. Mm-hmm. And then you would cut to the next scene and it would be really, really weird. Um, but I want to go back to actually a point that Tia brought up about how there were all sorts of story pieces that kind of just fell off. Yeah. And... To me, that actually reminded me a lot of the book Revival in that they laid a bunch of groundwork for future stories and then didn't follow up immediately. So I think if you continue to read the story, you'd get more and more of those pieces like the shadow monster out in the forest or all the clay people that just (laughs) she eradicates like three of them on a whim because they were trying, you know, threatening her. Or like the man that she had whispered into his ear and said that you have this goal that when I come back, you have to teach me about who I was. Like all those little things. There were so many questions that I had about that. But you can't answer them all in one volume. So he, I think he was laying a lot of groundwork for future stories in the hopes or assumption that he was going to be doing a continuing story. And, and I think, they like, did. The fourth, yeah. Yeah. And the fourth volume is still is coming out in February. So, like, I think this book is still going on and people are buying it. I don't like that sort of thing, though, because there's a... Reading, continuing to read a book because I'm like, oh my God, this doesn't make any sense. Maybe you'll explain it later. That's not the same thing as continuing to read a book because it's good and compelling and I'm in it, you know? And yeah, yeah. like that's where I think, like, I get your point, like, why you're equating it with revival, but I think what revival does that this doesn't is have an enclosed story within the trade. Like, if you just read the one volume of revival, you'd still be like, Wow, I got the story. You'd be like, I True. still have these questions I want answered, but the overall story of this it, this arc, I understood and got and enjoyed, and it was an enclosed kind of you know what I mean? Like, who the hell is Cammy? Yeah, two pages out of nowhere. I'm just like, That's a this is not a good ending. This is a bad ending. It's not an ending. It's actually a beginning and you can't end on a beginning. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a hit or miss thing with comic books though, because I think you could probably name, I could probably find four or five other comics like that, that have ended an arc with like a hook for a new oh, arc. Oh, especially in the last someone showing pages. up. A it's so yeah. lazy is always a- it, it, it is lazy. I mean, I'm not trying to defend it and say that it, it's a good way to do things, but I think it's it's very hit or miss for readers. And I think when you were going through this volume and you felt disjointed in the last issue or two, and then you get one more extra cliffhanger, you're kind of like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, you, he, <laughs> yeah. he crammed so many things in that last issue that it felt like he was wrapping up really fast and it was, it was really bizarre. It like, needed five issues. I think this arc was yeah. not enough issues. And to be honest, I, I think I would keep reading because I really did like the art. I would keep reading it for the art and maybe Cullen Bunn will redeem himself <laughs> right. on the good graces maybe the of Tyler Crook. I yeah, maybe the, the writing will catch up to the art. Yeah, which is yeah. But, you know, on, on the note of the art, though, one thing I found really funny is as I was reading through each issue, I noticed that the art was really fine and really well put together, and it looked like it, like the like Crook took his time. And then as you got further and further along in each issue, it got messier and messier. And then you would cut to the next issue, and then it would be clean and well well painted oh. and stuff. And then as you got towards the end, it was messier and messier, which really blew my mind that they they did that consistently for four issues. I thought I, I just like picked it up once, but yeah. Uh, let me give you a piece of advice that I heard from Durf Backdurf, who is an exceptionally talented comics creator. And that is this. When you're having a good art day, 
Don't do all of your pages in a row for one through you know 20. Skip around so that right. you spread out your good day. And if you're having a real shitty art day, do the same thing. Don't do all your pages in a row. Spread them around. <laughs> yeah. And that way, you have a little bit more of a consistent feel throughout your book instead of having real good pages all clumped together and then real shitty pages all clumped together. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And towards the end of the issues, you get weird face stuff where they, people didn't look the same or look too much yeah, the same sp- as other characters. Specifically, and- her dad. Mm-hmm. Ugh, her dad's face was so inconsistent. It really <laughs> bothered me. Like, I knew who he was because he had, a, like, a specific look and an outfit and stuff like that. But there was one page where you got this crisp look on his at, at the dad's face. And then for the rest of that issue, he was just a blob face. I, I imagine like, that what are, what's even happening. You know, when you're like up against the deadline, you I feel like watercolors are probably not the medium you want to be working in. Because and act, sure. they actually have a lot of art, um, like extras in the back. And there's a, a point where they even say like it's it's hard because once you put it down on the page, it's there. You can't like undo like if you're working mm-hmm. digitally. So mm-hmm. I imagine that um, working in watercolor presented in a special challenge at the end of the um, issues when deadlines were looming. Oh, totally. Things get a little mushy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's okay. So we're criticizing a lot, but I thought a lot of it was really good, though. Like, Liam on the group said that the art was, like, that foreboding and creepy, yet so beautiful and not overbearingly dark. And I think that's really well put. I think a lot of that comes down to the color work, though, of the watercolors that he did and so like yeah they were hard but i thought that was the saving grace for him a lot of the time where the line work wasn't always that great but the colors were so beautiful and um ryan pointed out that they really matched that earthy tone the of the characters as well as the story's time and place and they did i thought that carried parts that weren't as strong yeah i've heard um before that harrow county is the brightest sort of horror book bright in the sense that the colors are literally bright and and the Mm -hmm. settings are often very sunny and it is you know as opposed to something like witches where sabrina um yeah Yeah. or sabrina Sabrina. (laughs) you know where everything is kind of dark and you've got these really sort of unsettling textures overlaid on top of things to really emphasize just discomfort and horror whereas this is beautiful and and bright and even the 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 haunts in the forest graveyard (laughs) where they're like bright yellow and bright red uh there's it's interesting i think for an artist to do something different with horror colors yeah well so that's a great point i mean like a lot of horror like you're saying is that dark and i think relies on that dark the way that movie horror movies will rely on the music to get you in the mood um Mm -hmm. in that creepy curly mood and they they don't do that so much in this book i mean there's definitely nighttime chases through the woods which but yeah that's obviously atmospheric but um so I guess this puts it really well. Jamie said, I still wouldn't say I was genuinely scared, but the creative team seemed to understand that images of the father gazing at his daughter as he is realizing what's happening to her are far more unsettling than blood and guts. And that's like, yeah, I wasn't legitimately scared. I didn't have the same feeling I felt reading witches. But it was coming at it from a different direction. And I thought in that it semi achieved it. And it was interesting to see someone doing it differently. 
I, and I think that the feeling that I got out of this book wasn't so much fear as it was panic. Like, there, and, and those are two distinct things. Like, there was the feeling of adrenaline, like the constant moving in the last two issues. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there was just a lot happening, and you didn't know what was going on. The character didn't know what was going on. Like, Emmy was just as confused as we were. And I think that that came across really well. Even, like, her confusion was all over the place, even though she was kind of getting into the feel of maybe being a witch or whatever. But it was still very fast-paced enough to where I was like, what's happening next? What's happening next? And I was turning the pages very fast. Like, by no means what did I stop and go, well, that's really stupid stupid i i was constantly like what's happening next what's going to keep going like the beats were very fast and it worked to keep that feeling of panic and movement that you don't get out of a lot of books and i mean especially like i like my only other comparisons are like afterlife with archie and the chilling adventures of sabrina because i don't really read a lot of horror books but those books i didn't think had the same pacing and i never felt panic in those books whereas in this one it was just like what's actually happened? I need to know the next thing because there at least was some drive as I was reading it to yeah, say it had momentum. Like I felt, yeah, there was there was a lot of momentum. Yeah, that's the best way to say that. I actually had the complete opposite reaction because I really? I, I didn't think that there was anything interesting about the plot, which was to me very evident within the first issue, and so I thought that the book would have been better served by exploring the relationships that Emmy was having with the haunts as her realization grew about her uh, reincarnating as this witch, Mm -hmm. you know, like the skinless boy you know what i mean pretty sure they're haints not haunts right haints 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 yeah yeah and that yeah that the skinless boy thing skinless boy what is even happening she like finds him and i'm like oh that's scary then she puts him in her bag i'm like oh she's going for it yeah no i know and it's like you know tell me more about that that there there's a lot of potential there that you're just sort of dumping in favor of dragging out this like fake mystery like we get it she's the witch move like now Mm -hmm. what you know and then the um the abandoned creature that's so angry with her and even which was the most interesting part of the entire arc and it was like a page i know i was i was actually getting like journey in a mystery feels from that Mm -hmm. you know but just totally abandoned it and then even the the pharmacist who uh kidnaps her because he's he had been instructed by the witch originally to make sure that her you know second incarnation knew her identity it's like you know, I think that Cullen Bunn maybe was confused about what the actual meat of this story was. It ha- the, yeah. The, that she's the witch and that people are going to want to kill her is established from like the very first moment. So like, don't mm-hmm. drag that out. It, we all accept it. And then the things that he assumed that we would just accept, he didn't explore. But those were actually the things that I think had more potential yeah right which is why i think they're going to be explored in in subsequent volumes and you know unfortunately like i again back to the point that i made before i don't think that he had enough time to actually explore all of them without being too overwhelming and i felt that even just touching on those was almost overwhelming i i felt like he could almost have touched on less of them because yeah it's he it's it got a little too sprinkled in i think where where it falls down, well, as as Simon put, at no point could I build up any connection to Emmy. It was beyond my comprehension that she took the boy's skin with her. And that's that's where you get to the point where it's like, yeah, you didn't build this up enough so that we, you could suspend the disbelief. 
I didn't have that particular reaction. I was in it enough at that point because of the art was surreal enough where when she took the skin, I'm like, okay, this is what's happening in this world. But (laughs) that was, again, it wasn't the writing there. That was just because you were in it from that surreal art feeling, like, right? You know what I mean? Where you kind of, maybe I'm not making sense. I don't know. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. I think, I mean, I just accepted it as... I thought that something somebody was playing a trick on her, mm-hmm. and like she was gonna take this skin, it's but a hell she of didn't a trick. think it was a skin. Yeah, I know. Well, and she was totally about believing in these haints, like mm-hmm. these these ghosts of some sort, and she didn't seem to be phased about by them. So I think that was just her saying, "Well, now," and she said this, you know, "I have a haint now. This is my own. Mm-hmm. I, I've captured him. He's mine." And that was like an interesting thing that I wanted them to explore more, but then it turned out that he was this this like his body was out fighting the good fight or something right? which was a whole other thing but i i don't know i just took that at face value like maybe this is going to get explored you kind of got to roll with the punches yeah but i'm i don't know ultimately i think i'm probably going to keep reading this book i i'm i'm hooked I in enough to, to i want to, to go to read where, this volume yeah like what other weird stuff are we gonna discover about these pieces and parts of the story that weren't fully explored in the first volume i think so i think ultimately it, I mean, it's a story about the supernatural on the surface, obviously, but I think really the fear that Bond cultivates is more of that of F- adolescence. Like, Emmy's trying to figure out who she is and who she will become, and like what teenager hasn't wrestled with their th- own thoughts and their growing autonomy and wondered if they'll be a good person, and right. their parent, what parent hasn't looked at their kid and wondered how they'll turn out and worried that their kid won't turn out well, especially when they're being a little what jerk. What parent kids... hasn't wanted to kill their 18-year-olds? Right? Let's be real. <laughs> this is so realistic. This is the real horror, guys. Yeah, what parent hasn't like started to strangle their daughter only to realize, oh, I shouldn't, I, sh- I don't think this is a good idea, and in the hindsight, mm-hmm. I but, mean, ugh, but still, a ridiculous like, kind scene. Of Building on what you're talking about, though, Kate, I also felt like there was a there was a bit of, I don't know, lack of awareness of some gender politics that are inherent in stories about witches. Oh, and, for sure. Um, I, I'm just so tired of men telling stories about women without understanding where those stories come from and how it's they've so been used against powerful. women for sen- yeah, forever. It's just like, you know... Good on you for having a white, pretty blonde girl protagonist, I guess. And yeah. like how there's and all these adult men who are and, scared of her power. Yeah. I'm like, this is too real. I I don't know. Just like I get it that that's a story that you can tell. But for me, it's been told. Well, for me, if you're not going to put some sort of critical eye on it, I just am. I'm. I've heard it before, and I'm not interested necessarily. Do you think that that could be something that is explored later in the book, though? I'm so also tired of people telling me to keep reading comics because they come out serialized and they're going to get better later. Like you gotta, sure. you gotta do it if you're going to do it. You can't, yeah, I, I, you can't bank on my trust that by issue ten it's going to get good. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that same thing. Like, I get annoyed when people are like, you can't judge it by the first issue. I'm like, well, that's literally what they're for is like, am I going to keep reading this? Yeah. Like, subscribe. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you let it's me more know. balancing. You let me know if it gets better, and I would be open to reading it <laughs> because I did like the art. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I will say Crook's art reminded me a lot of like early Matt Kent in a way. Oh yeah, good, um, good. And I and I thought that he he was almost. It was funny because I thought that like Kent almost stole the color palette for Department H from this book in a lot of ways. Because <laughs> they both do watercolor, and I know that I should say Kent's wife does the coloring in in uh, uh, Department H. But it almost felt like they lifted the color palette from this book into Department H, which is what I was totally digging. I love the the like the coloring that they did in this book from beginning to end. Yeah. Like the when when Emmy is is uh, kidnapped by the the pharmacist and she's at his house and his house is so bright and everything was mm-hmm. like pink and orange. It was like a complete juxtaposition from the forest that she was in, which was dark and brown, not in like a scary way, but it's just like a totally different atmosphere. I thought like the they did a really good like Crook did a really good job pushing us into contrasting settings from like page to page when he wanted to establish a completely different feeling for what was happening but emmy never changed which was excuse me which i thought was really interesting that no matter what scene she was in i felt like her color never changed um i didn't notice that yeah if you if you go through i was i was looking over just some other issues um after i had finished the book and i realized that she's always the same color like yellow brown like light yellow light brown color no with no matter what scene she's in and i don't know if that's a that was intentional or not but i thought that was an interesting thing because i think other people's color like they when they were in a different light they changed color but emmy always seemed to be the same shade so maybe maybe that's just me. Maybe I just wanted to pull that out of the book, but I thought that was really cool. So who the hell is Cammy? Her sister, I think. Yeah. I think there's going to be a whole thing with a sister. Like there were two of them because when they pulled her out of the tree, there was a second body, and we don't really know what Ooh. what that was. <laughs> oh, I see. I assume because it looked like her that we were going to be like twinsies. No, I know, right? <laughs> or like maybe it is Emmy and she changed her identity. Oh, Ooh. I have no idea. I have no idea. Hey, all these questions are more reason for me to at least try the second volume. So, hey, you know, this is, I don't, I don't know who suggested this. I think we've been on like a bout of scary books lately or attempted to be scary books. Hopefully we'll read something a little more lighthearted they, next in their next good reads. They definitely get voted in on the regular. So it's, it's, hey, man, I mean, it's what the people demand. Yeah, and we will read it and talk about it. That's right. If you're interested in helping us decide what to pick, you can join the group and we take nominations. So these are all based off of what books people have thrown up there to nominate. And then we rando choose five of them to vote on. And so, yeah, it just seems like the scary books are what people are going, yeah, I'm going to vote for this. So I'm down with that. I like horror books. Mike, you got to get on the bandwagon with this. Ugh, I know. Witches. Witches. Like, no, I... I I said this before we started the show. I think I'm going to put off witches forever no, just to like no, make stop. everyone mad at me. <laughs> I don't know how we're even friends if you're not going to read witches. <laughs> uh, it's it's a miracle. It's a miracle that we're friends, I think. <laughs> it's a miracle that I have any friends, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, you know, you're a nice you're a nice person. I I enjoy your company, so I, you know, I think that's what it is. You're you're just a nice person Am to be I? around. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. For the most part, I mean, <laughs> with the uh, disclaimer there. No, I mean, because I, I don't think that anyone no. would describe me as nice, really. No, you're a very nice person. I think you're super nice. Yeah. You're oh. pleasant to be around. <laughs> you both are. Let's all give each other internet Aww. hugs. We talk about this this weirdo book that we read. We're gonna have some bat love up in here. 
Yeah, all right. <laughs> we should wrap up the episode because I want to plug... Next week is the 100th episode, and that is a oh, huge yeah. deal for all podcasts and any podcasts out there. And I just want to say we're going to have five people on next week, myself included, Tia, Kate, Paul, Nick, and myself. And we're going to be talking about everything I read comic books for the last year and in the past and in the future when all the crazy stuff that we're going to be doing in 2017. So just I just want to get that out there. It's in the episode. So if you've gotten this far, thank you for listening there's going to be a big episode next week. It's going to be extra long. It's going to be full of beer and internet hugs and people giving high fives and thumbs up, maybe a couple tears. It's been a, it's been a crazy hundred episodes and we're going to celebrate it. And I'm super, super duper excited. I've been screaming about it in my email post that I send every week to everybody. <laughs> it's true. Like it's just a oh, hundred episode. Can you even fucking believe it? <laughs> so hopefully you'll be here next week and we'll, you know, we'll talk about other things we're going to do too. And I won't just be screaming and yelling the entire time. It'll be fun. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. You probably will be screaming and yelling most Especially of the time. Especially with those beers. Yeah, yeah. I'll have a beer for like every 10 minutes in the show. And we'll, it's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> That's not true. I won't <laughs> do we, that Should at we all. turn it into an I read comic books drinking game? Oh, it's still... Oh, so the folks can play along at home? Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> if you're on the bus, make sure that you know. If you're on the train going to work, make sure you've got a beer with you because we're doing the drinking game. Hey, every train time beer is a time-honored tradition. Yeah, every time Rappin says you guys are the best, you have to finish your drink. Oh no! Or mentions X-Men. That's oh, right. Oh no! <laughs> you guys are setting yourselves up for failure. Every time Xander gets mentioned, you have to take two sips. Oh yeah. Anytime Nick talks about Valiant or <laughs> Tia talks about Wickdiv. <laughs> oh no. R.I.P. You guys. Yep. Good luck to your liver. Maybe take a drink of water in between those moments. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's. We'll, we'll have to also establish rules for drinking water too. So if we do something that's out of character, you know, talk about a book that we don't normally like when talk Tia about. reads Batman. Yeah, mm-hmm. drink a full glass of water. <laughs> right, and a slice of bread. <laughs> yes, yes. You, so you'll need. Two gallons of water, 16 beers, and a whole loaf of bread on your train ride to work <laughs> while you're listening to this. To this. Yeah. Or if you're driving to work, you know, don't drink and drive. No. But bring the bread and water because that's that's a healthy meal <laughs> for you. I don't read Batman that often. You might not need a whole loaf of bread. We'll see. I might start talking about all sorts of weird stuff that I read. So who knows? <laughs> Are we drinking right now? Yeah, I've been drunk the entire time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's that's my secret, Tia. I'm always drunk. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the I Read Comic Books podcast. This episode was produced by me, Mike Rappin, with editing by Xander Riggs. Special thanks this week to Tia Vasiliu and Kate Scotchless. The music in this episode is brought to you by the ever-fantastic Infinity Shred. You can find Infinity Shred at infinityshred.com, as well as on Bandcamp at infinityshred.bandcamp.com. If you enjoy this show, tell someone about it. Rate us online. Write to us. Each person you tell about the show and each rating you give lends a little more exposure to the show and helps us grow. It's also a great way for us to get feedback about the program we create each week for you. Or if you're just looking to say hi, you can email us at ircb at destroythesive.org. And if you want to talk comics with us, find the I Read Comic Books group on Goodreads. We have a monthly book club that we feature here on the show, such as this week, and we have regular threads about what comics we've been reading. If you want your thoughts on the book we're reading to be read on the show, make sure you join our group and comment. 
You can ask us questions and comment on each episode on our subreddit at iReadComicBooks.reddit.com. The entire podcast team is on Twitter, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. But a great way to experience the podcast, including our back issue bin of episodes and our weekly pull list posting, is to visit us at our website, ircb.us. Until next time, from all of us here at the podcast, thank you for listening. More, so, did you guys see? Speaking of, uh, don't try and make fetch happen. Did you see the thing on Twitter where someone responded to Vladimir Putin talking about the U.S. stuff with like, "She doesn't even go here." Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, so topical, so true. That movie is an endless gift. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Tina Fey, Kelly and I have been rewatching Thirty Rock and. Uh, it's perfect. It really is. Oh, it's, God. It, it's absolutely perfect. You pissed off the idiots. Who cares? <laughs> They're only idiots. No, the idiots are our prime demographic. <laughs> <laughs> we just watched the episode where uh, Liz goes with Jack to... It's We're, like, in the first season because mm-hmm. we're, like, rewatching it. But uh, she goes with Jack to go to, like, this austrian royals birthday party. oh my god yeah oh. <laughs> and like <laughs> i've been thinking about the carrie fisher episode lately yeah oh uh, when was that is that the isn't that the never go with a hippie to a second location one i think yes yes it is <laughs> I, have, I have i haven't seen the whole series in such a long time i'm like so happy that we're watching it because we re- we watched all of the office we watched all of parks and rec and that was like my fourth time going through parks and rec and now we're That's doing dedication. Yeah, See, I, with all those of these, shows... I have like certain episodes I watch over and over, but I don't think I've done a thorough rewatching of any of them. So yeah, I I am a completionist type of person. So mm-hmm. when I start a show like that, I like have to watch it from beginning to end. Except for it's always sunny because that show is perfect, and you can watch any random episode and it'll be fine. Oh, see, but, I'm, uh, I've probably watched the Just Treat Yourself episode of Parks and Rec and the Little Sebastian episode like a billion times, and then everything else I've seen like once or twice. The Treat Yourself episode is my favorite because Adam Scott's character buys the fucking Batman suit. I know, crying. it's so perfect. <laughs> I am due for a rewatch of Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, which was ruthlessly cut short in its prime. Oh, I've never I never watched that. that show. Oh my God. So it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It's really fun if you imagine it as like a prequel to Jessica Jones. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Because it's got what's her name in it. Oh my god. It has Kristen Ritter in it, and then like a blonde, you know, generic Mm -hmm. looking girl. So you Mm -hmm. can totally pull it off as yeah. And then her best friend is James Vanderbeek as himself. Yeah, he plays himself. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. It's so good. It's so okay. good. Maybe I will try that after I finish my walk or rewatch of Thirty Rock. I um, just started Arrested Development for the first time, and it's it's wonderful. Also, now I understand so many references that I didn't know were references <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> so, the, yeah, yeah. Narrator's voice. It would not, in fact, be anyone's year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.